Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Save Me an Isle Seat, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I'm Katie, and I'm joined by my fellow musical enthusiast, Amber. Hello. Also joining us is her musical newbie, Matt. Hello. Guten Tag. Now, this week's episode, unfortunately, Kylie is not able to join us, but hopefully she'll be able to join us on the next one. Fingers crossed. But on this week's episode, it is super exciting. Matt has got something to present to us. Yeah. What are you doing, Matt? We have another Matsicle, or whatever we're calling these. And today, we are covering Gutenberg, the musical. Oh, ho, ho. Nope. <laughs> yeah, might not have heard of this one because it only made it to Off-Broadway. But, you know, let's, let's dive into all this goodness. So, some background info on this show. This is a very, like, meta-heavy musical where it's a, like, show within a show. So it gets kind of weird. But it was written by Scott Brown and Anthony King. The show was developed at Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York City. Gutenberg the Musical opened off-Broadway on December 3rd, 2006, and closed on May 6, 2007. And over the course of its run, uh, it received several nominations for awards, including Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Book and Outstanding Director. Lucille Lotel Award for Outstanding Musical, and Outer Critics Circle Award for Outstanding New Off-Broadway Musical. All right, well, at least it got nominated. Yeah, so it's it's not terrible. <laughs> but yeah, just kind of the brief rundown of the show, it is two individuals performing a run, like a brief run-through of a, of a musical that they have made for an audience, but they're also playing all the characters so they're kind of jumping back and forth between the characters they're playing in their musical and then the characters they're playing as these like show writers oh so it's it can be a little confusing because there's only two people playing things but it plays into how absurd this show is so are we ready to hop into our prologue question mark with a big question mark. <laughs> there's a prologue sort of it's all part of act one but it's this is stuff that takes place before the Eden Show musical begins. So I'm going to call it prologue question mark. Okay. Fair enough. Alrighty. So our show begins with our two main characters, Bud Davenport and Doug Simon, introducing to the audience the show that they are about to see. There are several Broadway producers in the audience, and they are trying to make it big with their show. The two start off explaining who did what to make the musical. Bud did the book, and Doug did the music. And so they kind of, like, it kind of briefly explained to, like, theater newbies, like, what book and, like, music is for terms. And it's kind of like a reoccurring thing in the show. And they uh, explain that this show is about Johannes Gutenberg, who is the inventor of the printing press. The duo explain that they did a, a quick Google search and read the first thing they found about him. And since Johan's life was scant, they decided to take a historical fiction approach to the show, i.e. make up a bunch of shit. Nice. Oh, no. <laughs> so they also explain that this is a reading of the show, as there is no set or props, and the two will be playing all the different roles throughout the show. To help show who is speaking and singing, they uh, have different hats that just have the characters' names on them uh, to help, uh, you know, make sure the audience knows what's happening. Well, that's nice of them. Mm-hmm. But we have such wondrous characters as 
daughter and woman. Wow. <laughs> and uh, also, Bud and Doug feel that every important musical out there covers some sort of, you know, serious subject. So the subject they have gone for in this musical is the Holocaust. Because, you know, <laughs> their show is set in Germany. And that makes sense to them. Yeah, sure. Even though it's Germany in, like, the 1400s, it's fine. All of Germany is the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, they're it's oh, just no. like, we, we just got Holocaust because Germans hate Jews for a period of time. It's, <laughs> it's Yikes. very, very stupid. But with all of their kind of pre-information out of the way, we are actually ready to head on into Act 1 slash the... The prologue of the show? <laughs> it was very weird trying to kind of place everything, but... Oh, I forgot to say earlier, this show will be on Spotify. We will have that link in the, the link to do things. But the in, you get the entire show through Spotify. Oh. About an hour long, it's, it's interesting. But yeah, you, you do not miss anything. It'll feel like you've missed some things, but trust me, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So, the actual show begins with prologue slash schlimmer, where the scene is set in a stinky bedroom of a friend of Gutenberg. In the middle of the room, there's a dead baby. Um, uh... Which is represented by just placing a hat in the middle of the room that says baby. (laughs) Okay. Gutenberg's friend, and yes, that is his name throughout the show. It's Gutenberg's friend. And the doctor are examining the baby. The friend claims that he has done all he could to help this baby and even gave it medicine, but it is revealed that due to his inability to read, he actually fed the baby jelly beans instead. Um, that'll do it, I guess. (laughs) And then, as soon as that information is dropped, the doctor promptly leaves, just says goodbye, and walks out of the room. Just gonna leave this baby here. The friend sings about his anger of this situation and just being frustrated about his inability to read. And Johan arrives and asks if there's anything he can do to help. And the friend just yells at him to leave. And the scene ends with the friend just kind of cradling his baby in his illiterate arms. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and that, with that, we, we now arrive in uh, Schlimmer, Germany. It's a uh, German town with German things like feet and short pants. <laughs> Ah, yeah, the the German quality feet. (laughs) Listen, I'm just going by what the show says. Oh, my God. Gutenberg meets a woman and her daughter uh, kind of walking through the streets. They ask how each other's days are, and the daughter expresses her inability to read. Why can no no one read? Pretty much every character that's not Gutenberg addresses that they can't read by staring directly at the audience when they say it. Oh, my God. Another woman throws open her window to empty her chamber pot, and then the town starts to come alive into song. Various people in the town sing about their days. There's a Beef Fat Trimmer, who's a uh, reoccurring character by the name of Beef Fat Trimmer. Ah, original. But as Gutenberg kind of crosses the paths of all these people, it is revealed that he... Gutenberg is very loved in this town, for he has a, like a wine shop, he has a wine press, and is just overall just kind of a... A good guy, but everyone just keeps mentioning just how they can't read. (laughs) Once the prologued and act one, scene one are finished, our duo of Bud and Doug kind of break their characters and inform the audience that 
Schlimmer is a tiny town where everyone knows each other, but they're also suspicious of each other. Sus. And there's a brief scene where it's like, ah, hello, my good friend, please come on in. I have brought you this gift. It is a cupcake. Ah, this cupcake was poisoned. Blah. <laughs> Alrighty. Oh, <laughs> forgot to mention also one of the characters that I came across town is the one and only anti-Semitic flower girl that is in the show. Oh, okay. And she has like two scenes. Weird. But remember, it's about the Holocaust. Of course. Uh-huh. Yeah. Can't forget about that. Scene two picks up at Gutenberg's wine press shop. Uh, also, a reoccurring joke throughout this show is that uh, anytime there is a building, it is described as having a uh, dirty thatch roof. Oh, okay. And many yeah. buildings are described in this show, so it just becomes very funny to me. <laughs> But at his uh, wine press shop, we meet his assistant, Helvetica, who is stomping on grapes. Helvetica greets Gutenberg as he enters. However, he is... Gutenberg is kind of lamenting over the town's inability to read and wishing that he could just do something about it. As Gutenberg enters his wine press room, Helvetica sings, I can't read, which I bet you can't guess what this song's about. Wow. She longs for Gutenberg, but feels that she is too dumb and she'll only ever understand grape juice. Uh, (laughs) I feel that way too sometimes. Sometimes. Maybe like that. (laughs) When she finishes up this song, we again kind of get a scene break where Bud and Doug address the audience again. And they're addressing a potential thought the audience might have of, uh, did Helvetica actually exist? Uh, and they, you know, claim that there was a, a lot of poor wenches around at that time. And if she did exist, Gutenberg probably knew her. Oh, uh, all right. As in they are just making this person up. <laughs> yep, that's what that means. So, so, so dumb. We now get scene three, where uh, it is at the church on the hill. And this is where we are introduced to our villain, Monk. Oh, no. And he's an evil man who hates God. Not Monk. We get the song Haunted German Wood, where Monk sings to his henchman, young Monk, uh, about how he was a good follower of God, but then one day he met the devil in the Haunted German Woods, and it was awesome. <laughs> okay. I bet it was. Yeah, the uh, the devil told Monk the, to kill his dad, so he did. And then the devil says, hey, I gotta leave. Uh, But he instructs the monk that uh, he should stay in the church and keep the masses dumb and he'll receive great power. So he just kind of does that because, sure, he's evil. Why not? Yeah, sure. Scene four is Gutenberg's wine shop late at night. Gutenberg reflects on the day where the towns, you know, going over what the townspeople have told him, mostly just repeating, I can't read, I can't read. And then a brief, uh, you can't have two flowers because you're a Jew from the flower girl. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. And then uh, we get the uh, song, Press Song, where uh, Gutenberg kind of searches his, his shop for some way to get people to read. He thinks, ah, oh, maybe this clock can do it. No, I'm going to throw it in the trash. But maybe there's something interesting in the trash. And then he searches the trash. It's uh, a really stellar song. Uh, yeah. But he he soon eventually comes up with the idea of using his wine press, but instead of grape, he'll use letters. (gasps) Oh my goodness. The breakthrough is here. (laughs) He works through the night and makes the world's first printing press. And uh, Helvetica arrives and they celebrate his success. Woo. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Wow. (laughs) 
Scene 5 brings us to the streets of Schlimmer, where young Monk sings about his mistreatment and also how he can't read. Oh, yeah, yeah. Song, I Can't Read, reprise. Young Monk makes his way to the Boot Black shop, which is a shoe shiner, essentially, and talks to Boot Black about how Monk is treating him. Young Monk somehow sees some good in that man, and he wants to help him not be bad. He hopes that his good waters will make a tree of goodness grow. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that that holds together. But since they are, you know, hanging out, the boot black offers young monk a biscuit, and they both erupt into song about their love of biscuits, and the song Biscuits. Hey, biscuits Yay. are pretty great. <laughs> uh, they go really ham about these biscuits, and they're very excited. And then I want get biscuits. <laughs> break of Bud and Doug explaining to the audience that the show isn't actually about biscuits. They say it was a charm song, a song that gives the audience a break from the story that they actually care about. Ah, okay. All right, all right, right. And then they just go back into it. Uh, Scene six is the Schlimmer Market. This is a stinky area with dead bodies, rotten fruits, and antiques. Fun. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go together. In the song, What's the Word, rumors begin to go around town about Gutenberg. The beef trimmer saw Gutenberg last night working on something new. Woman spreads the gossip, but says that Gutenberg might be working on a new lady instead. (laughs) Uh, The train of talk continues until uh, a different woman uh, winds up with Gutenberg's friend from the beginning of the show. The woman wants to talk to the friend about all this juicy gossip but the friend is busy burying his baby and then that's it of that scene (laughs) the gossip eventually makes it to monk who is gonna go investigate this rumor himself so he heads on over to the press shop scene seven is back at the wine press shop and helvetica is crying in her grape bucket as monk enters Helvetica is surprised that monk knows her name so he must know that gutenberg has already invented the printing press because yep. because yep it, yeah it's like it's like ah helvetica it's good to see you oh how do you know my name i'm a monk i know everything and that's good enough for her sold <laughs> monk tries to convince helvetica to destroy the printing press for if they're not making wine anymore that gutenberg has no use of her and the song stop the press starts up and monk is just kind of playing on helvetica's emotions and says that if she destroys the press gutenberg will come to her for comfort and she eventually kind of caves into his manipulation and destroys the press. No! Dun, dun, dun. We get another break from the show, and Bud and Doug pretty much claim that they've made all this up for once Gutenberg has finished the printing press, the, the story would be over. But, you know, now that they've destroyed it, anything could happen in the story now. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I mean, true, I guess. I mean, they're not wrong. Yeah. But <laughs> also, they let the audience know that the Act One finale is coming up, and that all big shows have a big rock song as uh, as their finale. So that's what they're gonna do too. And yeah, our final scene, scene eight of this act, is on the rooftops of Schlimmer. Gutenberg sits by a chimney and begins to sing "Tomorrow Is Tonight," which is kind of like he's excited about this new invention that he's about to bring the world. But it's kind of also a song like where it's about nothing. Fair. But also, Monk shows up on another kind of adjacent rooftop and is surrounded by fire and bats. And okay. And, and he also joins the song to be the evil counterpart to the rock song. 
Oh. And yeah, he just kind of is just going on about how evil he is. And then also Helvetica is on another roof and joins the song. But she, her, her parts are mostly just about feeling the guilt of destroying the printing press. And yeah, it's just kind of a rock ballad that ends Act 1. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, what'd you guys think? Uh, this was, um, this was a wild ride. But I don't hate it. <laughs> it's it's a very tongue-in-cheek show, very meta. It does a lot of like goofy references to theater stuff, so it, it's it's not bad. Yeah, I, I kind of like that meta humor. It's like it's it's purposely not taking itself seriously, you know. It, it's one of those things where it's it's a show that's like intentionally bad, but you kind of in order to make it that way, you you have to know how to make like a good show in order to make something intentionally bad. Right. Yeah. It's a, we- it's a weird balance, but yeah. yeah. Amber, any thoughts? My first question is, Matt, are you high? <laughs> he didn't write the because show. what is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> My second question is, what is happening right now? <laughs> this is a musical about Gutenberg. Is it? And not Biscuits. <laughs> is it? <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, like my thoughts are twofold, because on one hand, like, it's really not a bad story. The concept of, like, there's this need. He created a printing press. Something dramatic happens to it. Like, that's pretty classic plot, I would say. Like, not bad as far as musical plots go. We've seen some weird stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we- just everything that's in between But is everything terrible. around it is just, like, I don't... Wow. But also, like... Like you said, I get that they're doing it because it's like it's meant to be bad, but in a good way. Yeah. So like I get it and I'm okay with it. I'm just very confused. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're supposed to be. Yeah. And it's supposed to be like bad from, you know, the audience of the audience perspective. It's yeah, it's it's strange. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely interesting. But I yeah, like I said, I don't I don't hate it. I I've definitely um had some weirder ones from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and it's only an hour long to listen to everything on Spotify and it it is entertaining. The there's just a piano as far as like instrumentals for songs, but they do manage to mix things up a lot. And so it's a lot it's a lot of fun. Nice. Alright, nobody has anything else. Uh, why don't we hop into uh, a little interesting intermission segment I have planned for my co hosts. Oh, an interesting segment you say. We do not have Kylie with us today, so no theater fact. But since the show is kind of tongue-in-cheek and going over all of these different uh, theater terminologies, I am going to test my co-host and see if their theater knowledge is up to snuff. Oh, no. Yes, not, but okay. I have three terms for each of you that are musical-related or theater-related, and if you can give me a, like brief definition of it correctly uh you'll get a point and if somebody can't get it we'll see if maybe there's a steal option okay so who would like to go first amber will i guess i will (laughs) i've been voluntold (laughs) all righty amber what is a dresser well, I'm assuming we're not talking about the thing that you put your clothes in (laughs) yes you don't know (laughs) it is not the piece of furniture it's like the the people that help you, like, change backstage, like, real fast? Yes, that, uh, somebody who aids in keeping costumes neat and tidy, as well as during costume changes. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it's a piece of furniture. Uh. <laughs> Alrighty, Katie, what does 
off book mean? Um, I don't know if it's anything similar to off script, but like people just make stuff up. Incorrect. Amber, would you like to steal? I mean, just like when you don't need to look at your script anymore to know the lines that you're saying, right? Like when you have all your stuff memorized. Amber is correct. Wow. Has taken it. Alrighty, Amber, question two for you. What is a loge? I'm sorry, what? Loge. <laughs> L-O-G-E. Katie, do you have any idea? Um. <laughs> no? Can, can we get a hint? Because neither of us what, are... Use it in a sentence? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, using it in a sentence won't help. It is a, a part of the theater. Oh. What? <laughs> it is a section of the theater. I'm not sure I've heard that term. I got nothing. It is a section of boxed balcony seats located in the theater. Oh. Boxed balcony seats. Interesting. But not called a box balcony. Where did that word come from? <laughs> I looked up terminologies, but I don't know where they came from. Okay. <laughs> Katie, your second question. Uh, what is a strike? Well, well, now I was just thinking about... <laughs> newsies. <laughs> yeah, newsies. I'm thinking about newsies. But I don't think that's the correct one, but I don't know. When they tear down the stage at the end of the show, right? Amber is correct. Aha! <laughs> Alright, Amber, your final question for you. What is a gobo? No! <laughs> <laughs> uh, spell it? G-O-B-O. Uh, yeah, um, no idea. <laughs> don't even bother asking, because I don't either. <laughs> It is a piece used in the lighting equipment in order to adjust lighting for productions. Oh. So it's... Huh. A gobo. I think it's something that goes in front of, like, the, the big bulbs and stuff. Weird. And you can, like, adjust it to get, like, thinner and wider. Okay. Alright. Interesting. Katie, your final question. Oh, what no. is a swing? Again, I know what the actual word is, <laughs> but... <laughs> a playground. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of... I'm going to go, it's someone who switches out the role part-time? Like, do you take turns? You're kind of close. Amber, do you have an, an actual idea? or What's the other word that I'm thinking of? What's the word? Understudy. Understudy, yeah. Something like that is the way I understand it. It is an understudy, you are correct with that, but it is not for one specific person. It is an understudy like that everything. goes and jumps between multiple different roles throughout the show. So okay. if it's some kind of like background character, a lot of times they'll be listed as a swing in like the show notes for like what their role was. Okay. So yeah, so I was pretty close. I got the right idea. Yeah. 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 I've heard that. Yeah, I heard the term before, but. Alrighty. Well, I think Amber got the better of you, Katie. I am not surprised <laughs> in the least. But no, I think you, you both did pretty, pretty well. I knew your own words and not my own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, that will, that's our little intermission segment. Hopefully you learned maybe a little something. Maybe something you didn't know before. Gobo. <laughs> Gobo. I did pick that one because it was funny sounding. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. Alrighty, and with that, is everybody ready for Act 2? Yeah, do you have a better pun? We gotta deal with some pressing matters in Act 2. Alright, I'm not even gonna try and beat that. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> jerk. <laughs> Alrighty, well, in Act 2, it begins with Bud and Doug kind of introducing the show's second act. But before they get into the show, they decide to give the audience some more information about themselves. Bud is 33, single, loves to make music, and is looking for a wife. Alright. Okay. Sure. 
Doug is 34, gay, lives in a studio apartment above a pet store, and used to own a cat. <laughs> All right. I feel like cool. I know so much about the show now. <laughs> yes, we know them intimately. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why they felt the need to give that information, but they did. <laughs> then we get our song Second Prologue which takes us into the early morning streets of Schlimmer. The stage is set with doom and fog. Oh, no. <laughs> Bootblack and Daughter sing about their weird, scary dreams that they both had the night before, and it was the same dream, and it had all these symbols, and it was weird. Woo. Oh, no. And after that, Bud and Doug jump in really quick to explain that that scene was foreshadowing. <laughs> no Thanks for way. telling us. For those of you that don't understand, they'll explain foreshadowing later. Wow. <laughs> they, d- they don't explain it. Oh, okay. We then actually get to scene one of act two. It's at the old bar known as the Rusty German. Gutenberg is at the bar and he's drunk. <laughs> All right. Song Words, Words, Words where Gutenberg is getting drunk one last time because now he'll be all about the words and he won't be making wine anymore, so bah, he'll never do it again. He tries to convince the drunks at the bar that words are better than alcohol and seems to actually start convincing them for some reason. (laughs) Helvetica enters the bar and tries to confess to what she's done for destroying the press, but Before she can say what she's done, Gutenberg asks her to be his wife, because he's so excited and happy. Oops. She says she can't accept, and then runs off. And right when Gutenberg is going to chase her, dance break! (laughs) Okay. Bud and Doug explain that the, uh, at this point, the entire cast would rush to the stage and suck Gutenberg into the mess, and that some of the cast would be doing wild leaps, some do backflips, some do handstands, and then some chicken fight in the corner. Um, okay. Sure. So yeah, Gutenberg is not able to finish his conversation with Helvetica. In scene two, it's back at the church on the hill, and Monk is pretending to pray. Gutenberg enters and explains to Monk that he has invented the printing press, and he wants to print the Bible. Ba-ba-ba-ba! And then we get the song Monk With Me, where Monk decides to try and toy with Gutenberg, since he already knows that the press is is destroyed, and tries to convince him to become a monk and stay at the church and keep the people dumb. (laughs) So yeah, as Monk is trying to convince Gutenberg of this, he eventually just refuses the offer. And Monk, you know, kind of doing the like, uh, you know when you've imaginary fought as kids and he says like, Oh, I hit you. It's like, no, I put up a force field. Uh-huh. Monk pretty much goes, I lock the doors. I close the windows. Already? And this prevents Gutenberg from leaving. Of course it does. The two continue to kind of like sing, talk to each other about where they think people go when they die. And then uh, Gutenberg eventually decides, hey, I can just bust down this door. And he escapes with the big Bible. <laughs> and then we, we get to scene three. It's at the monk's dark, dank, evil tower. Helvetica sits in a window and sings, might as well go to hell, because she's there for some reason. Yeah. She's dealing with the sadness and feels that she deserves to go to hell for all the terrible things she's done. She gets some suicidal thoughts and actually just takes a step out of the window. But JK, that was just kind of a weird vision thing. She's actually back in the tower. What? Bud and Doug are excited that they're getting close to the end of the show, but they do address the issue of suicide from the last song. 
They say that it's never the answer. It's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Unless you have a terminal illness. <laughs> well, that's nice of them, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we get scene four. It's the day of the German celebration known as Festival. Yeah. And then we get the song Festival. Wow. Where the town folks are all kind of entering into the scene and singing about their early morning excitement of festival. Gutenberg makes his way to the festival with his printing press and is still completely unaware that it is broken. Helvetica rushes up to him, tries to apologize again, but is completely ignored. (laughs) Rude. Monk is also attending the festival to watch his plan come together and twist his evil mustache. I I don't know if it exists or not, but sure, let's go. Sure. He believes that the town will destroy Gutenberg for having a failed invention? I don't know. And yeah, like his plan was, Monk watches Gutenberg reveal his press, but he now sees that it is broken. And kind of out of nowhere, Monk orders the town to get Gutenberg, and then due to mob mentality, they attack him, collect wood, and light Gutenberg on fire. Oh, that's a bit extreme. The remaining cast joins hands and walks to the edge of the stage. They explain that Gutenberg's press was eventually rebuilt and used to make many things. But they say that his quest for kind of complete literacy of the world is not yet complete. And that statistics say that more than half the people in this room can't read. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, oh, no. (laughs) I've been lied to my whole life. (laughs) But Doug now kind of come out of character and explain that they have written themselves into this finale. And it's because of uh, they, too, have a dream. I get the song finale where... Bud and Doug sing about their struggles of the world and how they eat dreams. Oh! Um, what? What? And yeah, during this kind of end song about how you're just going about how they eat dreams, uh, a famous Broadway producer steps out of the crowd and offers them a contract. They're going to Broadway. And that's how the show ends. Wow. Were you ready for that one? I wasn't ready for any of it. I think that is what gets me the most about the show is like the fact that it's just the two of them. <laughs> like I keep trying to picture yeah, it doing all these roles. And I can't. There is like a a recording from like an audience perspective, like kind of crappy of the show. And yeah, they essentially just have a table with a bunch of baseball caps that have like a white front with the names written on them. And if they're <laughs> going to be like multiple characters quickly in a scene, they just have the hats stacked in the order of them appearing. Uh-huh. Wow. And they just, like, take them off and, like, switch into whatever character it is. Can you imagine the, like, rehearsing you'd have to do to grab the right hat at the right moment? Oh, man. Yeah. That's true. Because you have to remember, you know, not, yeah, not just all the lines, right. you know, where the hat placement goes. <laughs> oh, my and, God. And it's not... Like, they, they keep some consistency, but there are times where, like, they're playing characters that the other person has also played. <laughs> so it's, like, this weird juggling act that they do throughout the entire show. That's impressive, like. Mm-hmm. And it, the music's not bad. I enjoyed the music. It's, re- like, the lyrics are really stupid, but it's fun. It's fun. That Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I would be curious to see this one oh, play on sure. stage, just because it is so bizarre. Yeah, I, I would love to see... <laughs> see that take place interesting all right so yeah final thoughts on this what you guys think uh well you picked a wild yeah one. this this was a halfway amber recommendation uh, yeah you threw it onto my radar because it was 
slightly German named, and I was like, oh, I'll check that out. And then I was like, oh, this is really dumb. Yeah, I do not remember where I saw this, but I saw something about, like, the song about biscuits, and I was like, that sounds weird. And I looked at it, and I was like, this has got to be a massacre. And so I shared it with you guys. <laughs> and I'm I'm glad you did it. And I'm glad it turned out to be like an actual matzical because this is wild. Boy, how <laughs> yeah, it's a it's an hour long on Spotify, so it doesn't take up much of your day, and you do get the entire show, what little there is of the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a fun one. I could see this one taking place in like smaller theaters, you know, because it's you know small budget, tiny cast. Obviously, I think this would be this would do really well in community theaters. It has energy of like an improv show yeah it does but on purpose yeah it's it's yeah. strange i i kind of dig it yeah i give it a thumbs up i enjoyed this more than i thought i would by like a musical about yeah. gutenberg what like who cares but also like okay i liked it i what's well, it's like i i just attached to like the the musical within the musical mm-hmm. thing like for some reason, the Bud and Doug interjections are just so stupid and funny to me. Yeah, they sound funny. <laughs> of them just trying to essentially pitch this god-awful show. Ah, uh, yes. But it works out, so. Yeah. So yeah, if you got a, got an hour to kill, I'd say give this, a, give this a try. I think, besides it just being weird, it more or less gets a mama seal. Like, I don't think there's it's any. It's not, like, yeah. bad. I don't know. Those biscuits, though. <laughs> I think the only time any like kind of raunchy stuff is said is like when the they're doing the what's the word the the gossip around mm-hmm. town, where it's like I think he's having sex with a woman. <gasps> I think that's about it. Oh no, raunchy! All right, so yeah, Mama approved on Spotify. What are you waiting for? Go listen to it right it. now. It's Mama approved as far as language. I don't know if Mama would approve of the, show. the actual show. <laughs> I mean, I don't think she'll approve of the stupidity. <laughs> no. But it is safe for mom years. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious what she thinks of this one, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. She'd be like, what? Why? <laughs> just, why? <laughs> yep. That's, not, that's what we're going to get a text later, just why. <laughs> All right. Yeah, good job, Matt. Thanks for yeah, coming for sure. to us. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, if you guys liked the kind of newer intermission segment i can try and do more of those in the future yeah actually that was kind of yeah. that was kind of neat all right cool well that's gonna be it for us guys be sure to like and subscribe to us wherever you are listening to podcasts this ensures that you get our episodes as soon as they are posted and who doesn't want to hear about great shows like gutenberg right, <laughs> right away gotta tell the town get them the, like as soon as they come out you'll get to hear it yeah. first seriously <laughs> for better or for worse and if you're on Apple, please leave us a five-star review. Five whole stars. It helps boost us up in the numbers. Five whole stars, not just five partial stars, all right? Yeah, five whole stars. Five full biscuits. Five whole biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the best way to help us out is through word of mouth. So go ahead and please tell your friends, your family, your coworkers, anybody who's literate, because they can just listen to our show. They don't need to learn how to read. <laughs> So I can't read. Oh yeah, they also do British Cockney accents. Of course they do. Show, even though it's in Germany, somehow that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it just really helps helps us organically grow. So go tell yeah. everybody. And if you have listened to the show, know anything about the show, please please talk to us because I want to know 
What the heck is going on here? If you're Bud and Doug fans, let us know. Or if you knew the definitions to any of those words in the intermission, let us know because I was stumped. So yeah, like, <laughs> seriously, we we just listen to musicals. Right, we don't okay, actually we know have. things here. We just you know. <laughs> so you can reach out to us in a bunch of ways. So you can email us at savemanalseat at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at Save Man Seat. You can find us on Facebook at Save Man Seat. You can find us on Instagram at Save Man Seat. And you can find us on YouTube under the Ragtag Network. We are everywhere. You cannot escape us. You cannot. And then if you really like us and you want more shows from our network as well as us, because we're on a couple others as well, you can go to our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. That's where you'll find shows like Total Tom Fulier, our D&D podcast, and also our, our dark history podcast called Bag of Bones that the Mama Presents. She's very awesome. And any future shows that might come up, that's where the first place you're going to hear about them. So keep your eyes peeled for that. It's also where you're going to be able to find some sweet, sweet merch from us. You can go to www.ragtagnetwork.com slash merch for that. We've got a lot of cool stuff, so go check it out. I might have to make one that says, not about biscuits. I don't know, (laughs) but go ahead and check that out. I don't believe we have any extra announcements for you guys this week. So thanks for checking out this episode of Save Me Now, Seat. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. 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 Guten Tag. Guten Tag. Thank you for listening to this episode of Save Me an Isle Seat. If you'd like to support us, you can check out our Ko-Fi at www.ko-fi.com slash ragtagnetwork. For more episodes and shows like this, go to our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. This show is brought to you by the Ragtag Network.